Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times only sports podcast discussing all the sports across Cape Cod. I'm Steve DeGeneres. Wow. What's Great start already. My name is Steve Dutarian <laughs> alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, it, it really is hard to believe that the, the football regular season is in its last week, entering his last week. Really just seemed like we just got started, but you know, still plenty of football to be played. Absolutely. And this week we have three league championships, which is pretty cool. You know, we have Falmouth is at Nauset at 7 p.m. That's the Atlantic Coast League Championship. Barnstable is at Dartmouth at 7 p.m. on Friday. That's the Old Colony League Championship. And then on Saturday, Upper Cape uh, faces off against um, Old Colony, and that is the Mayflower Athletic Conference Vokes Small. I believe that's the division they're in uh, uh, championship as well. So we have three big league games. We've got some other matchups between teams that have already won league championships. We've got a huge D7 show rematch of the last year's state semifinals. So we got some really good uh, football games to look forward to this weekend, I think. Yeah, I know we wanted to start with Falmouth, Falmouth and Nosset, which, you know, we might have spoke a little too soon when we uh, thought that, you know, D.Y. Falmouth would determine the ACL championship right. because this one has some league implications as well. Yeah. You know, Nosset has really put together a nice little stretch here. They play really physically, arguably maybe short of Falmouth, just as physically as anybody else we've seen this season. Um but, you know, Friday night at Nosset, that's not going to be an easy game for Falmouth. You know, again, Nosset has played a lot of these teams close to this year, and they could match, you know, the run game, physicality, you know, body-on-body -body guys. Um, we saw Will Van Vlex have a couple great weeks running the football, mm -hmm. albeit it was against teams like Wareham Sandwich, who yep. obviously are not having a lot of success this year. But he's really come onto the scene and, and can put the ball on the ground really well with Miles Perry, for example. So, I mean, Nelson has some options here. Bobby Joy, we saw through a couple touchdown passes mm -hmm. last week. So that offense is starting to get into gear. And if they have to match Falmouth point for point, I think they can hang in there for a little while. For a little while. Yeah. I just, you know, and we've talked about Mac Labarge. We've talked about, I think, they pro Nelson probably has the best kicker on the Cape and Robbie Wright. I just don't know if I think they can hang with Falmouth's just their strength for long enough to to actually have a chance to win this game. And if they win it, they would tie uh, Falmouth for the Atlantic Coast League title. Falmouth has already clinched a share of it. They win it outright with this one. They don't, they don't have any league losses yet. Nossett only has one. And because of Marshfield beating D.Y. last week, everybody else has at least two. But we saw Kyle Connolly play really well against Hanover. That's another D5 South team that they could face in the playoffs. You know, Connolly had 187 rushing yards, five touchdowns. We've seen Jake Murphy have equally dominant games. Kyle Cardoza is incredibly hard to stop, whether he's rushing the passer or going deep. I really liked what I've seen from Aiden Washington, Trevor Nunes, Marcus Gonzalez. I just don't know if Nossett has quite enough weapons to really be able to hang with Falmouth for the full 44-minute game. Right, and the game is in Nossett and on turf. So you do have to mention that. A team that has as much speed as Falmouth just gets yeah. even faster on the turf. So you're right in that regard. But and for Falmouth, this is definitely an advantage. You know, as of last week's power rankings, we haven't gotten this week's yet. 
Falmouth was in fourth in Division Five South, so they actually go up and play a Division Four team mm-hmm. here. So they're going to get points no matter what happens, yeah. and that's actually going to help them in the power ratings. Um, they were stacked behind Canton at number three, Halston at two, and Situate, who was in the finals last year with DY at mm-hmm. number one. Um, Situate's only loss this year is to Duxbury, and obviously in a higher division. Halston's going to finish off the season at Ashland, which is a division below them, and then Canton plays North Attleboro, which is a division above. So if Falmouth wins this game, there's a good chance they could move maybe into that two spot, maybe even the one if something really weird happens with Situate mm-hmm. um, this, this coming week. So definitely there's a lot at stake for Falmouth beyond just clinching the league title would be you know getting into that position and, and assuring that you'd have home field for as long as possible throughout the playoffs. Absolutely. You know, and for Nosset, this is a position they haven't been in too, you know, all too recently. 2014 was the last year that they were able to beat Falmouth, so that's before anybody on this team was even a freshman. You know, they have not been competitive in the ACL for a few years now. It's always been Falmouth, Marshfield, or DY winning it. Mm-hmm. But this has been a really good, re, you know, resounding year for it. Bruce Strunk, I think, with this extra year to really put his system in place, has got these kids buying in and confident in themselves in a way that maybe they weren't even last year. So this is a good opportunity to get tested. To you know, they're I'm pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs either way, which is right. imp- pretty good for them because that would be two years in a row. Right. And the big question surrounding Nasset, you know, they started last week in fifth place in Division Four South. It looks like if they lose this game, yes, they'd still get in, but they very unlikely they'd have a home yeah. game. So you have to hit the road and potentially play a team like, you know, like Dighton Rehoboth or, or Milton, um, depending on how far they if they if they did fall. So you know we'll see what happens. You know again, there's still there's still a lot of configuration that's going to be happening Friday night and a lot of scoreboard watching for some of these teams to find out what's going to happen. Absolutely, we we really have no clue until about a week or you know. Or even eight days from now. Yeah, basically. When the come out. You know, turning over to the OCL, Barnstable is at Dartmouth at 7 p.m. Barnstable, if they win this game, they win the OCL. It'd be their first since 2013, which was the last time they beat Dartmouth. If Dartmouth wins it, all three teams would go one and one in league play. I'm not sure if they would give all three a league title or nobody would win it because um, <laughs> I don't know how you give literally every team the same championship, but maybe that's what they'll wind up doing. I feel like that's uh, happened before. In probably. <laughs> I mean, when you're only playing two league games, right. I can't imagine it's never happened before that, uh, you know, all the teams just go one and one. Right. Um, you know, this is the last year for the OCL. Barnstable's going to join a higher tier of the Cape and Islands League next year. So, you know, they'd love to kind of wrap the OCL with their, with their name on the last trophy. Um, you know, I was at the Barnstable's home game against Bridgewater Raynham last week. That was a really good win for them, even if – Got a little bit, you know, dicey right there in the last minute or so. Huge game, obviously, for uh, Brian Fry. We, you know, we've talked about him before. He had 155 rushing yards and three touchdowns. We're kind of starting to really see the who the leaders are and who the central pieces are, both, I think, on the offensive and defensive side with Barnstable. You know, there's Fry. There's the quarterback, Matt Peter Kuski, who had 157 yards, a touchdown pass, a, touch, a touchdown run. Obviously, Connor Baldessaro is Peter Kuski's best receiver. He's the guy that they can go to downfield who can make acrobatic plays, who can catch the ball while running with his arms outstretched, which was how he scored that big touchdown uh, against uh, BR. They've got Jadaro France, who I think is a little bit more of a speed back than like the kind of power back Brian Fry is. He wasn't 
consistent, I thought, against Bridgewater Raynham, but I think he's going against a Dartmouth defense that's not as tough as BR's is. So mm-hmm. could see a good game from him as well. Maybe a chance to balance out the two different the ways they attack with the run game. Uh, and then on the defensive side, you've got Corey Wardwell and Colby Burke. You know, these are the guys who are kind of leading that defensive side. Matt uh, Fredo effort. too. Yeah, you know, Matt Fredo, of Turner course. Has done a great mm-hmm. season. So, I mean, I look at this game again, I, and I said it last week. Barnesville gets over this home with BR. I think they should have no problem beating Dartmouth. You know, save for something catastrophic. You no, know, knock on wood for their right. sake. Happening at practice this week. Um, I mean, Dartmouth is. It's had to battle teams like Durfee and New Bedford a lot more closely. Absolutely. And, you know, Barnesville, yeah, albeit they just beat New Bedford 3 nothing, But, right. again, they're battle-tested. And, and I think at this point, some of they can correct a lot of those mistakes that they made in those games that they won. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you saw it came right down to that last drive. You've seen that in wins this year against New Bedford, against BR, and then against DY in the season opener. Yeah. You know? And even in Week 2 against Acton Boxborough, Barnesville was in that game for a while, so... You know, again, this is a team that, you know, they've had to play from behind at times, but they've also had to make big stops in key situations. And we talked about last year, you know, Barnstable going to King Phillip and only losing by a pair of scores. Right. This team knows how to hang in there, even when, you know, the odds look like they're stacked against them. I think this team is playing with a lot of confidence, yeah. and I think that's what's part of it. You know, they turned the ball over at, I think, their own, like, 45 real late in the fourth quarter last week. And it looked like BR, who had moved the ball very quickly in its previous drive and scored a touchdown, was going to have a pretty good chance to at least contest for a touchdown that would have tied the game and with an extra point won it. They hung in there. They defended back-to-back passes in the end zone cleanly, you know, to end the game. In previous years, I don't know that Barnstable's players would have been able to to have the confidence in themselves to do that. But this year, this team really believes it can win these games. Right. It can play a full four quarters of effort, uh, and that's pretty cool to see. Uh, on Dartmouth's side, the the guy who could hurt them the most, I think, is probably Dylan Pacheco, who had seventy yards last week against New Bedford, um, which New Bedford beat them. You maybe need to watch out for Nolan Ellis and William Smith too. Uh, but I think if they can stop Pacheco and the run. The run game can really hold. I think they'll be fine against uh, the Indians for sure. Absolutely. Um, moving on, you know, a little down the line, I don't know if you want to talk about the third. Um, yeah, let's go to that one and then yeah. back up to the other matchups. Sure thing. So Saturday, the only Saturday game on the Cape will be Old Colony at Upper Cape. You know, Upper Cape got back on track uh, this this week with a dominating 41 to nothing win over Blue Hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're going to have a tough test against 4-2 and two Old Colony. You know, and the Rams, I really need a win here. If they want any chance of hosting a right. Division 8 playoff game otherwise it might be looking like they might be heading to st john paul too which ironically might be right down the road at mass maritime <laughs> from from a travel standpoint that's good from a match yeah. perspective it's not but there are some a team like west bridgewater that means you'll probably get a lot of fans yeah but the good news is rams are home for this one and they've gotten some really good performances obviously jazari salim who's mm-hmm. mentioned in the past but Cameron glover really becoming Absolutely. that kind of, you know guy who can make plays really in both phases of the game you know he has good hands he can catch the ball as well um, coming out of the backfield, and Drew Brightman, we've mentioned too, is a yep. great wide receiver. So, all these weapons that Thomas Sign has done a good job running the offense, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, these guys are these guys are playmakers, and I think that if the offense can get clicking, that that they can win this game because it's a low scoring game. I, I I don't see Upper Cape's chances being good in this one. I I would agree with that. I mean, Old Colony. So Upper Cape has already won the MAC, uh, the Vokes Small Title. They've or a share of it. They've got no league losses. Old Colony has won because of Cape Tech's kind of upset. So if Old Colony wins this, the two would share the title. If Upper Cape wins it, they'd win it outright. Mm-hmm. 
with the Cougars, the guys you got to watch out for, Kyle Schultz, uh, he threw for 112 yards uh, in week six against Bristol Plymouth, which was a loss. Uh, Matt Bumpus is probably their best receiver. He had five receptions for 89 yards. Um, you had Philip Proctor running for 44 yards. Proctor and Daniel Lawrence are good at returning at recovering turnovers. They each had a fumble recovery last year. So those are the guys that uh, they need to stop. You know, Bristol Plymouth was able to uh, keep down Old Colony pretty effectively. So if Upper Cape can somehow match that, they got a real shot to win this one. But I agree that it's probably going to come down to guys like Salim and Glover doing what, what they've been doing most of the season. But certainly a nice turnaround for Upper Cape. You know, they, they took their licks in, in week one against Bourne. And then obviously coming off of last year where they struggled, you know, people forget it wasn't that long ago where Upper Cape was coming off a, a Vogue Bowl title. And yeah, that was really, 2016. Yeah, and then years basically yeah. the entire team graduated. Right. I mean, they lost, I think, 22 seniors, which is right. everybody. Now, and, and as we've come to find out, you know, Division Eight has a really a, a list of haves and haves nots. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a large gap in between the teams that are really good and, and haven't been so good. So I think D seven is. You could probably say the same. And thing. it's funny that Upper Cape might be the exception because I feel like they have that middle ground right. somewhere. But um, again, good turnaround either way. Certainly an improvement from last year. In terms of the non-league championships, I think the biggest game we both agree, or or at least the one that may be the most predictive of what's to come, is Mar- uh, Mashpee at St. Mary's. That's Friday at 7 p.m. at Manning Field in Lynn. That's a rematch of last year's Division Seven state semifinals. Obviously, Devon Ford led the Falcons to a win in that game, and then they went on to uh, beat Blackstone Valley. Yeah, yep. uh, in in the uh, champion in the championship for their third title. So you know, Mashpee is undefeated. They are number one in D7 South. Uh, St. Mary's is third in uh, D7 North. So, again, this could be a, ga- a, a game we could see a rematch of later, you know, in late November. Uh, you know, Match P, you were at that game against Hall. They kind of put that one away pretty quickly, which I'm sure is what yeah. they wanted to do. I mean, the number that jumps out to me when I went back and tallied it all up, I mean, they ran 15 plays on offense and scored 34 points. And, I mean, it was even <laughs> – it was even. I mean – honestly it was three offensive plays you know if you're not including the two-point conversions and the kickoffs I mean three offensive plays they had 14 points Mm -hmm. I mean they were uber efficient in this game obviously taking the opening kickoff back by the four will help that but I mean they did what they had to do they took care of business they got their starters out of the game got their junior varsity guys a lot of experience and you know Hull left their offense in there which is a reason why they scored 22 points but it was all against Mashby's backups right Point aside, you know, Mashpee looks better than ever, really, and it, it really is incredible how, how this run keeps going. 26 straight wins. It's halfway to the state record set by Acton Boxborough in mm-hmm. 2005. Uh, 2005 was a 52nd straight right. win. But, you know, disability to spread the ball around. And on special team, which is something that, talking to Matt Treveri after the game, said he's been okay, been a little lackluster, but... Cam Kurgo and Devon yeah. Ford. Oh, Devon Ford had two kickoff returns in that game. Cam Kurgo had one the week before. So that's three kickoff returns in two games. Mm-hmm. That's a promising sign when you can, again, keep your offense off the field for a little bit and let your special teams, let your playmakers uh, get you some points there. Definitely. And it's specifically, I think it's good for Kurgo because he is really fast and athletic and agile. Right. But because they have Ford, they always find have to find ways to like take advantage of Kurgo because they don't want to waste the talents that he has but Ford is still their you know their offensive dynamo he's what makes that offense go so if they can get the special teams going that is definitely a way to 
get Kurgo active, especially because teams don't want to kick to Devon Ford because he's, right. he's got as good a chance of playing, being a punt returner in right. college as he does of being a running back, I think. Maybe even a better chance than he yeah. could be some kind of reco- uh, return guy. And make no mistake in this game, Ford and company, you know, they're not looking past this game into the playoffs. They want another undefeated season. Oh, yeah. Because in years past, you know, people forget, too, that even though they won three straight, last year was the only of the three where they went undefeated. Yeah. And they have no intention of losing and breaking that streak because if they win out here, I believe that put them on, what, 31 straight wins? Now, again, you'd have yeah. three, <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. You'd have over 30 wins. They'd have se- it, they've got se- conceivably seven more games to play, I think. This one, three South, State, semi State Finals, and Thanksgiving. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So 33. People always forget about Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, you know, Mashby, even with numbers, I mean, it is incredible how, you know, basically – Three or so players mm-hmm. can turn that <laughs> turn that around with you know Ford, Gonzalez, and Kurgo, all guys who have you know the next level talent. Definitely, and hopefully they'll all have gotten some rest after yeah. uh, after this game. With St. Mary's, the guy that I uh, probably need to be the most concerned about is Jared uh, Echeverria. I think he had two touchdowns last week uh, for the Spartans. You also Derek O'Leary threw a score to uh, Eni Falai. So those are kind of I hope I pronounced that yeah. last name correctly. Um, <laughs> Those are probably the biggest names that they got to be weary of. Now, I will say, St. Mary's lost last week to Archbishop Williams. Archbishop Williams is a D7 South team that is on the outside looking in in terms of getting into the playoffs. So I don't know what exactly you make of that, but it could be that because of St. Mary's record we against teams that Mashby doesn't play, we think that this is going to be the biggest challenge Mashby faces. That is certainly possible. It could also be that the South teams that Mashpee might face, like Abington and Cohasset in the playoffs, those are the ones who are really going to challenge them. And if they can win the South, whoever they face in the state semis and the state finals might turn out to be not as strong. Right, but they're certainly not looking at it that way. No, I, Another implication, though, is too, I mean, even though it doesn't count towards the division, Mashby still wants the entire Division 7 South coming through oh, Michael S. Warren Stadium. Out of doubt. They haven't lost there since September, I think it was September 18th, 2015. And that was against Falmouth. Mm-hmm. I didn't even go back and look the last time they lost to a fellow division opponent. So it's been a long time right. since they've lost at that stadium. And if teams have to come through Mashby, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long road and certainly not easy. Definitely. It's also hard to figure that out because the divisions expanded from six to eight. So. Exactly. <laughs> a, a likely, but yeah, again, um, definitely Mashby wants to hold that undefeated record and yep. completely make sure that they have that number one seed. We'll go through the other matchups real quickly. Those are the big games we wanted to preview. Uh, Nantucket is at Southeastern on Friday. That's an early game. That's a 3.30 p.m. game. Uh the thing that I find most interesting about this is that uh, this is a battle of Mayflower Division champions. The Hawks won the vocational large title. The Whalers won the comprehensive division. So nice matchup there. I think, I don't know who who we think is going to win, but this game does not have the same implications that some of the other games Nantucket has played, but they've definitely looked a lot better since Devontae Usher came back. 
Right. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, uh, yeah, Upper Cape, I think, beats Southeastern in week two, right? Is that the same team? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. It, but, it's definitely the same team. I, I'm going to be honest here. I mean, look, if, if Upper Cape can handle Southeastern, I think yeah. Nantucket can handle them, no so problem. Too. I think they have a lot more playmakers, a lot more speed guys. I and mean, we've looked at Devontae Usher, had an outstanding week, an 87-yard touchdown run, mm-hmm. plus um, quite a few good punt returns, too. And we just came off mentioning special teams. If you know Usher is back there returning kicks and putting Nantucket in, in a short field positions, yeah, that's all the better for the Whalers. Definitely, um, Victor Gambaroni's found a really tough, hard runner as well. Mm-hmm. You know, can get you those chunk yardages, but also can break off those big runs once in a while. And Malik Bowden, you know, going under center, that's not their regular starting quarterback. Darian Duarte out for the season with a knee injury. Yep. So Bowden's going to have to lead the the Whalers the rest of the way, and if he keeps up what he's been doing the next few weeks, you know, I think the big question for Nantucket is. Can they get over that playoff hump? Right. The last two years, they've had home playoff games, but mm-hmm. haven't been able to win. So Exactly. We'll even see if they get a home game. If they win this one, they're putting themselves in a good position for it. It's just this. I'm, I'm circling all these teams at Division 7 South because it's amazing. This top eight right here. You have yep. Mashby, Case, Southeastern, Bourne, Nantucket, Cohasset, Abington, Seekonk. You know, again, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that Mashby might be number one there. Right. But after that, I mean, you can scramble all those teams up and put them in really any order you want. Maybe mm-hmm. put Abington at two because they've given Mashby the closest competition. But that's, that's what I would say. That's a very stacked Division Seven South oh, right yeah. there, and that's a lot of talent. So certainly, there's no givens. But again, all the more reason why I think Nantucket would want a home game, mm-hmm. much less travel. Obviously, it'd be a different uh, force teams to take the ferry, of course, which can always throw them off a little yeah. bit. Um, another team that that still has a shot, I, a real shot, I think, at the playoffs is Cape Tech at Martha's Vineyard at 6 p.m. Cape Tech is right on the bubble of that 8th uh, D7 South spot. That's a pretty big uh, carrot to dangle in front of, for guys like Archer Estenville, Trevor Castilius. You know, if Cape Tech can win it, it might be enough. I all they got, but they got to shut down Ivan Shepard and Tristan Scheller uh, for the Vineyarders who. I think the playoffs are kind of a little bit beyond what, what they can get at this point. So they'll be looking to just beat some non-playoff teams in the last few weeks and at least have a, a better finish to the season than last year. Well, the good news for Cape Cod Tech is really the only other team on that bubble in Division 8 South mm-hmm. looks like Millis, which is obviously you know <laughs> multi-time defending champion. Right. Obviously, they've taken a bit of a step back this year. But again, um, you know the holes behind them, Blue Hills, a team that Cape Tech beat, I think that basically they win they're in. Depends how Upper Cape does as well. I'm right. sure they'd want them to lose, which gives them a better chance to slide up a little bit, mm-hmm. even though Upper Cape owns the head-to-head right. matchup. So, again, there's a lot of scoreboard watching, but, again, you got to handle this game. And, honestly, I think Martha's going to do for a win here. You know, haven't won since the opener. Yep. I think they've played really well in certain times this year. Just they not just, consistently. They haven't put four quarters together. And yep. Coach Don Herman's told that to us. They need to put together a, fu- a full fourth-quarter game I think against Cape Tech, that gives them a good opportunity. Guys like Tristan Scheller, I think, are really due for for a big breakout game. I agree. Cape Tech, I think their biggest issue has been penalties. I think penalties have hurt a lot of their drives, have cost them some touchdowns, and if they can play cleaner, they got a real shot to win this one. Uh, we'll turn it over. Sandwich at DY, turns out not a lot to say about this game. I, DY, you know, that, that loss to Marshfield kind of took them out of contention for the ACL. Sandwich would love their first win, but I don't really see it happening this year. And D.Y. kind of needs this one to make sure they can get back to the playoffs and at least have a chance to defend their state championship. Right. I mean, yeah, basically, D.Y. simple. You win, you're in. And if you don't, I think you're still in, but you're really not putting yourself in a good position. 
because having to go to, I mean, maybe get a little bit of juice if Fowler sneaks into the number one spot and they get a rematch in another shot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's likely. I think it's more likely that DY would have to head somewhere north like Holliston or maybe even right. Canton, which, again, it's not going to be an easy matchup. But, you know, there's always kind of that intimidation factor. You know, Paul Funk, generally speaking, over the years has his teams ready for anything. Sure. So, And there's certainly, you know, Peyton Doyle didn't go anywhere. They yep. still have plenty of talent. Still have Jeffrey Jamiel, still have Darian Thompson, so, I mean, Phillips. That's a team that you don't want to match up with in the first round because mm-hmm. you'd definitely be upset prone. But D.Y. has really struggled on the road this year, and it's really hard to figure out why exactly that's happened. Um, I, I still think it's, it's the lack of a really complimentary running game to, to mm. their passing abilities. Payne Doyle can run, but they do not have that really good running back to balance well, out the carries. Well, Thompson's shown flashes this year. He's shown just, flashes of it, and he's very quick, right. but he's not... Consistent. No, no. You know, he's not, it. <laughs> it's not just consistent. It's just he's not Bobby Evans. Right. You know, no. he's not... Not a lot of people are. <laughs> right. He's not Brian Fry or Michael LaFrange. He's really good. Right. He's not Devon Ford. He's pure running back right. kind of character. He's... I think Darian Thompson's best skills are as a receiver and as a defensive right. back. Um, and then you look at Sandwich, you know, again, obviously they're going to want to get a win at some point, and it's tough because on Thanksgiving you play Mashby. <laughs> yeah, I, I think their best chance to get a win is going to be in the non-playoffs, the Week 8, 9, and 10 games, where, which are all going to be against – I mean, they may, they honestly might wind up playing Martha's Vineyard. So, Right. Um, um, I'm sure they can get a win somewhere, but – Again, we'll we'll see what happens. Looking at a Pontiquit at Bourne, which could be an interesting thing. Speaking of Division Seven South, you know it was a great comeback by Bourne. They just didn't have a good first half, and yeah. they couldn't make it up in a nineteen to sixteen loss to Seekonk. You know, Bourne still does have plenty of room, to, I think, to move up here. But um, I mean, interestingly enough, if they did fall to number eight and ended up with a battle of Mashby, that'd leave an interesting matchup between cousins Kendall Rose yep. for Mashby, who's been out for a few weeks, and uh, Spencer Rose, who's had a tremendous season for Bourne. Um, you know, with his uh, play on both sides of the ball. So, um, interesting league matchup here. But, again, we'll, we'll see what happens with Bourne. Definitely. I, that would be a cool game to see Bourne versus Mashby to see how Bourne would – how each team would handle each other's style. Because Bourne is a team that likes to spread it out. They like to throw it. James Cahoon is very confident in his third year as starting QB. So, if they do wind up facing off, I, that would be, a, I think, an exciting game to cover. This is a matchup between teams in different divisions of the South Coast Conference. Right. You know, born their loss to Seekonk means they're going to finish third in the league, I think. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've they've played a Poniquit sporadically right. over the years. Uh, so, that again, that's a game that Bourne would like to win. I think it's going to be challenging. Uh, a game that I think Monomoy will should be able to win, but I don't know if it's actually going to be enough for them to to get into the playoffs. Uh, they are at Keefe Tech at 7 p.m. That's, I think, at Framingham State College. Keefe Tech, for a long time, was part of a co-op with Marion High School. Marion closed last year or two years ago. Last year, I think. It was last year, yeah. And so now they're a completely independent team. I think they're going to join a new conference next year. They are coming off a loss to Kip Academy, which is a a charter school in the the middle of the state. Uh, It's a nice chance for the Sharks to win their finale, but I think even with the win, they're probably not going to get into the D7 South uh, tournament. Yeah, and again, I mean, a crowded Division 7, there's really not much you can do to fight in there. Seekonk does play Dighton Rehoboth in the final week, which could be a challenge, but again, I think Seekonk would still end up with more points, Mm -hmm. even if Monomoy was to win and and Seekonk was to lose that one. Definitely, and then the last game uh, is St. John Paul, second at Austin Prep at 7 p.m. Austin Prep is based out of Reading, Massachusetts. 
so this is a game for second place in the Catholic Central Small. Uh, clearly, Pope John Paul uh, is the bo- is the best team in that conference this year. Uh, they really kind of took it to St. John Paul, took it to the Lions, I think. So this will be a chance for Darren Katzif, Mike Sakovich to get the offense back on track as they head into the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a couple of tough, some tough sledding for the last couple of weeks for, for the Lions. I think they, they've kind of come down a little bit mm-hmm. from, from where they were before. But again, um, I, as I wrote here, Katzif, I think he's going to have a good chance to break out here. It's just tough going on the road against a team that, you know, can hang in there, you know, Austin Prep beat Lowell Catholic pretty handily, whereas St. John Paul beat Lowell Catholic by mm-hmm. less than a score. So um, won't be easy for the Lions, but again, they should still be in a playoff game, and I, or they should still get a home playoff game, uh, even if this one doesn't go their way. Cool. You want to hit some non-football? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I wanted to mention the, because uh, we don't get to talk about a lot on the show, is cross-country. You know, sure. big, big meet this weekend, arguably the, the most popular in the state with the, with the McIntyre Twilight meet yep. at the uh, Cape Cod Fairgrounds in Falmouth. You covered this, I believe, a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, two years ago. What, you know, and being there under the lights obviously is an exciting prospect, and people run really fast, as Jim Horace said. But what is it about the um, the atmosphere there that you know just makes it different from everything else? Well, it's the layout. In most cross-country races, a lot of times you might start, and there'll be people like at the track cheering for you, and then you basically run off into the woods for a while, and you're just by yourself with the other runners, no coaches, mm-hmm. nothing. Here, the entire course is basically contained in the fairgrounds. So there are fans set up everywhere. So you have people cheering for you for the entire 5K race. You know, the ending bit of it takes you through a, a barn, I think literally a barn, and then you come down this, uh, this paved road, and all of the teams have set up their tents on both sides of it. So everybody... You know, because there's three races, there's like, there's four. There's freshman, sophomore, JV, and then varsity. So a lot of runners are just going to be in those tents recovering during or preparing during your race, and they're all going to be cheering for you. So it's just this wall of sound that if I had ran cross-country in high school, uh, my conditioning was crap back then. <laughs> uh, I would have loved a race like this. I mean, I, right. I can't imagine having more fun than running through a race of people cheering for you. Right. No, it really is exciting speaking as a former runner. But, yep. um, you know, there's a big, big change this year. You know, it's going to split into two days now with Division 4 and 6 competing Friday. I have that right? 4 through 6, yeah, which is Every team except Barnstable, it's basically. Like, it's it basically turns it into a small school versus large Yeah, point. that's what they're calling it. But, you know, DY is in, will race Friday, Sandwich, Nauset, uh, Bourne if they send people to Sturgis schools. You know, all of the local cross-country teams, I think the Vineyard is going, except Barnstable. Barnstable will go on Saturday. Right, and, you know, the thing about this race, too, um, you know, you almost wonder why there are more of these, first of all, too. You know, it's a, you know, it's a really unique opportunity. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you look at last year, you saw a really thrilling finish with uh, the NASA girls specifically yeah. winning the team title. But not only that, but um, Madiket Nobly going head-to-head with Grace Connolly, I believe, right down there. Yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, no, was it Grace? No, no, sorry. It was a different girl. Grace Connolly was Division One. Um, I believe it was a girl from Littleton. Finished second overall either way. Mm-hmm. And just a really cool to see some local representation and doing really well there. And there was a big meet this past weekend, too, you know, up at Northfield Mountain, which, if you don't know, is – the most difficult course anybody's going to face maybe in their cross-country careers mm-hmm. um, out there in western Massachusetts. But D.Y.'s Kevin Arsenault has had a great season. He finished 12th out of 211 runners in the 5K race, uh, the Peter Conway race. There were three different races, that varsity races that day. 
He finished in 1658, so he could be the local guy to watch this weekend for DY, assuming he's going to compete. Um, but in terms of dual meets, yeah, I mean, just looking at the uh, upcoming schedule, Nasa hits the sandwich. You know, in the past, those teams have had nice clashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Last Nasa, year, that was the ACL title right. that was in Nasa. This year, it's at Sandwich on right. Tuesday. So uh, Nasa girls in the position to pretty much do the same thing again. Yeah. You know, they, they took care of uh, D.Y. at home last Tuesday, and now they're looking to, to wrap up the, the uh, ACL title. Their Warrior girls are still undefeated. So, you know, all the, the team that's now Izzy Nobly kind of leading the way is, they're, you know, they're, they're just continuing this legacy of NASA cross country. Right. So when's the race real quickly? So, again, Friday, Saturdays, the meet. When does the racing begin both yeah, those days? So that both days it starts at 5 p.m. That's the freshman. And then Basically, about every hour and 10 minutes, the next race will start. You have the sophomores. Uh, the freshmen, it's a slightly shorter race. I think it's 2.1K right. uh, or 2.7. The freshmen, it bumps up to 5K. Uh, the sophomores, it bumps up to 5K. Same for the junior varsity. And then the varsity, which will go at 8 p.m. Right. So let's hit some soccer real quickly. Yep. Um, you know, we've had a lot of teams, Clint already, Nasset, Nantuck, and Marcus in the sandwich. I think you're going to see a lot of teams this week battling to kind of share up, you know, a tournament spot, and then obviously after that, trying to get possibly a home game. You know, teams we're looking at, Mashby, for example, 7-2-2. Two, and two. Mm-hmm. Only allowed seven goals in 11 games this year. Big credit Chris to Hushin, Chris right. Hustin-Ryder, man. Yeah. Best goal, maybe the best goalie they've ever had. I mean, certainly the most shutouts right. for one goalie in that school's history. I believe with wins over Cohasson and Rockland, Mashby is definitely in the postseason. I think those are two winnable games. Certainly won't be easy, but mm-hmm. um, they got to head on the road for both, so... Even just three points out of that, I think, would be a positive step. Monomoy, mm-hmm. um, same thing. They had a really tough slate this week. At 7-5-2, and two, they got to visit Martha's Vineyard, which is um, obviously one of the highest-scoring teams on the Cape, mm-hmm. or I should say in the Cape and Islands. And then they got to host Sturges West, which just knocked off Martha's Vineyard right. over the weekend. So definitely a tough slate for Monomoy, but if they can, again, can get a few points out of there, I think they're going to be looking good for the postseason. A um, couple good matchups, though, coming up, though. Sandwich at Nasa, a rematch, 7 p.m. Thursday. You know, we saw, we talked about it last time. Is that mm-hmm. Sandwich was able to hang in there with Nasa for a little bit, just came down to a few set pieces, then ended up making the difference. Yep. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Sandwich can go out there and maybe even pull off a 0-0 draw or 1-1 draw. Getting a goal against Nasa would be huge. Yeah, I. if they can't win at home, I have a hard time seeing Sandwich winning at Nasa, uh, but... I, de- I mean, certainly anything is possible. I th- I think it's more likely we're looking at another 2-0, 3-0 win. Nasset plays very well at home. Right, but I think Sandwich is a team, as we talked, I think it was last week or the week before, has a really good chance, I think, at making a playoff run. They played a lot so, of difficult too. competition this year and shown that they can hang in there with some of the best. Yeah, and they're a lower division than Nasset, yeah. so they, that's one team they don't have to and worry about. they got about. a playoff win last year, which is yeah. huge. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that that's usually... When you can upset a team in the playoffs a year before and you come back with a lot of that same talent, mm-hmm. that's a big motivator for the next year. I completely agree. Uh, girls' soccer side is certainly interesting. as We've got a really wide open field, mm-hmm. as we seem to talk about every week. You know, the Gnostic girls caught my eye this week, got back in contention. 2 nothing win at Falmouth with mm-hmm. Reagan Mean and Choir Rink both scoring goals. Um... You know, Nasset plays D.Y. in Sandwich this week, and then with two wins, I they, they won't clinch, but they're in really good position to clinch the postseason spot. So that's a team to really turn things around. Um, Sturgis West has an interesting slate this week. They host Nantucket and Monomoy. Yeah, that's that's the league right there. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if they can win 
if they can get two wins, or as we keep mentioning, maybe three points at least, mm-hmm. it's looking like they're going to go on and win the Cape or the Cape and Islands League title. Um, Alexa Bound, Kate Donu, Emma Ball, all been fantastic on mm-hmm. that offense, and I think their scoring can can really match up well. It's just a matter of handling Nantucket, which has given them fits in the past. Sure. Um, also, really big showdowns this weekend. Uh, Sturgis East and West play at 5:30 p.m. Saturday. Uh, at Old Townhouse. Mm-hmm. I know in years past, boys and girls teams play pretty much side by side. Yeah. They get some really good crowds for those games under the lights, and both stand bases show up pretty well for those games. So we'll see how those go. Uh, over in field hockey, I, you know, we talked about Sandwich and Sandwich getting 0 0 ties. Sandwich field hockey put up a pair of 0 0 ties at home last week that at least held off DY for a little while. Sandwich tied Falmouth. 0-0 and then tied DY. Uh, but even still, DY is now 4-0-1 in league play. Nosset has only played four league games. The Warriors are hosting the Dolphins on Wednesday. If DY wins that, that clinches the title for them. So they're really... Not that uh, that was much in doubt. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, looking at the numbers, it's really hard to argue with a team that has literally four of the top five scorers in the right. league and the number one goalie. So, you know, for Nosset, Eliza Stevens has played really well. Ten goals is very impressive. Emily Cavanaugh has been a very good uh, goalkeeper for them. I just don't know how they can uh, hang with Kayla McGaffigan, who has 25 points, 19 goals. Lily Holmes, who has 20 points. You know, they can sit Kayla for a half, which they did against Monomoy, and still completely control the game and win pretty easily. I think the thing with Sandwich is, and you have to remember, field hockey is still two divisions, mm-hmm. is that you're going to go up against really, really good Division two teams. Yeah. And my problem, even though Sandwich defense, Sarah Curry and goal have been great, problem is you've got to put the ball in it. You've got to put yeah. pressure on the other team because whoever gets the first goal in a lot of these games is just going to sit back. Yeah. So, and you saw that with Sandwich. That's how they got bounced last year, I believe, with a one nothing loss. Mm-hmm. So, I think Sandwich has just got to pick it up a little bit on offense, maybe a little more aggressive. Uh, I know there's a lot of young players out there, but Sandwich is going to need to to get some wins. Ties won't necessarily be right. enough to improve their playoff spot and get them a chance to make a run at things. Mm-hmm. Team I've been impressed by is Barnesville this yeah. year. Seven three and two. You know they, they play in Division One. Obviously, they have a rematch with Dartmouth Tuesday after the teams played to a scoreless tie last weekend. But really huge credit to the Barnesville defense, starting with goalie Abby Alasusi. Nine shutouts this year. Yeah, that's great. And obviously those include... That's out of 12 games, by the way. Right, so. those well, include the two ties. So every win this year has been by shutout, I believe, mm-hmm. and then the two ties. So, um, And then the defense has been just as great. You know, Nick Bowman filling in. We did a little story on him um, filling in there. They have a winnable game against Monomoy, and I think that should put the uh, the Red Raiders where they need to be. And But speaking of Monomoy, really mm-hmm. interesting schedule this week. They play four times this week. Yep. Supposed to host Bishop Fang today. They're at Sandwich tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, obviously those teams just played, uh, you know, Sandwich has played DY to a tie. They're at Barnesville Friday, then they host Nantucket Saturday. Mm-hmm. If Monomoy can survive that little stretch there and get themselves the points they need, they should have themselves a playoff spot. Yeah. So big week for Aoife Daly, who's been a great scorer and new coach Gen Essie this mm-hmm. year. Definitely. So we'll wrap it up with volleyball and then, yep. uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the whole episode. Right. So, uh, there's a few big games coming up. We got Barnstable who is still undefeated. They still have not given up a set. They got some big games this week. They've got Medfield, which is usually a pretty strong team. They've got North Quincy, uh, and then they're at Notre Dame uh, in Hingham on Wednesday. Uh, you know, we've talked about who is really the stars for this team. Riley James, 
She surpassed 1,500 kills last week, which has never been done in Barnstable Volleyball history, which is impressive considering that program has produced so many state championships. It's interesting you say that because I've talked to Turco about this before, and the reason why that doesn't happen so often, even 1,000 kills doesn't happen often, is just because of the number of weapons Barnstable's have to spread out its offense. It's not concentrated around one player. It's just Riley James who's going to D1 Barnstable. At least Ferber committed to D1. What did I say? Barnstable. D1 Bryant. <laughs> she plays for D1 Barnstable. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, too many Bs. Yep. Anyway, um, it, it's just an exceptional player. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Turco would have no problem making that concession. Of course, Ingram Murphy's been outstanding. Mm-hmm. She's had a great season. Um, and her, you know, James's sister, Tegan James, has been an outstanding setter. She's just a freshman and has maybe just as much potential to grow into a player just like her older sister. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's got 500 assists as a <laughs> freshman who didn't play all that much last right. year. Just as a bit of a comparison, so born Sarah Sullivan is a senior, and she didn't get her 500th assist until earlier this season. Right. Um, born, by the way, they're having a big fundraiser uh, at tonight's home game. Uh, if people want to check that out, born obviously also still undefeated. Uh, I believe they're playing Wareham. I uh, I think, uh, and it, the money raised from the game is going to go to uh, the Happy Hope Factory, which produces gift baskets for. Uh, they're based in Pocasset. They make gift baskets for kids with who are like hospitalized with life-threatening or chronic illnesses. So mm-hmm. that's a fundraising project that they kind of came up with on their own. So if people right. want to go check that out, it should be a good game and, and certainly a good cause. Right. Um, nice little tribute also, too. You mentioned in your high school notebook this past weekend of the playground that's dedicated to yep. St. Mary's Church for Olivia Brote, mm-hmm. obviously former Barnstable volleyball player, died of cancer. You know, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to go by there or not, but there's a nice plaque there apparently nice. honoring uh, our Brode and uh, mm-hmm. just a nice little thing in her memory, you know. Um, but back to the volleyball side, yeah, you know, Barnstable's got a nice little stretch here. At, uh, at Medfield, as you mentioned, they host North Quincy, and then they're at Notre Dame Hingham on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Three games in three days, so... Certainly a uh, a long stretch, but Barnstable still hasn't lost a set yet. And yep. It would be interesting to see how long they can keep that streak going for. For sure. Notre Dame especially, I mean, that's a traditionally strong D2 team. So. Um, right. um, small school volleyball, you know, a team that's really caught my eye too this year is Nantucket. Yeah. 7-3, and three, a really young program that mm-hmm. has really put together a nice season. You know, setter Sarah Anderson, outside hitter Malika Phillip, and junior libero Anna Leary. They're among the players who have really got this team heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And... and really beating the teams they're supposed to. Um, they have a couple really tough matchups this week against the same team, Sturgis East. So they host Sturgis East at 5.30 p.m. Tuesday. Sturgis East already in the playoffs, defending Cape and Islands League champions. And then they go to Hyannis on uh, noon Saturday for, for another matchup against Sturgis East. So, hey, maybe Nantucket could sneak in there and, uh, and steal one from Sturgis East. That'd certainly be a nice sign and a, and a program victory for the program. Sure. In terms of golf, last sport, we got the South Coast Conference Championship on Thursday. That's at the Bay Point Club, so we'll see what Bourne can do there. And then the Cape School X. Let me try that one more time. Yeah. The Cape Schoolboys Tournament is Friday at 9 a.m. Uh, at Yarmouth Port. So mm-hmm. nice chance to see just the local teams all go against each other and see who comes out on top of it's that. It's getting cold now. I don't know if this is the time yeah. I'm going to be playing <laughs> golf, but hey, that's just how the year works every year. So uh, best of luck to those uh, to those guys and gals because there's a couple girls on who play golf around here too this weekend. Definitely. So I think that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of Cape Sports Now. You can find uh, this episode and previous episodes at capecottimes.com slash Now. You can also find these videos at our Facebook page. Just search for Cape Cod Times. You can download our episodes through, pod, uh, through the podcast app, through Apple and Android products. 
You can get sports updates from our uh, sports department Twitter feed, which is at SportsCCT. And we are also on Twitter individually. I am at Matt Goisman, CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And I'm at Steve underscore Derdarian, last name D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Matt, have fun this week covering games. Yeah, and we'll talk to you all next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.